It is Friday, the 14th of October, 2022. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Welcome to the Friday edition. Actually, I'm getting excited because tonight I'm going to watch the new Clerks movie. I think that's out now. Clerks 3, Electric Boogaloo. I love Clerks. I even tolerate Clerks 2. So I'm just, you know, interested in the characters. Anyway, appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Let us get started first. The Week in Evan Review will be lit tonight at uh, patreon.com slash Podcast or at derekhunter.locals.com. Two flavors for your choosing. Check it out. Please consider supporting the program. Use it. Anyway, like I say, I want to get this started so we can get the weekend started. So let's get it started. Anyway, there's a lot going on in the world, a bunch of things to talk about. We have new inflation numbers just in time to ruin the weekend. Isn't that nice? Just in time to ruin the weekend. Well, first of all, the weekend has been ruined. Let's be honest. Inflation is real. You don't need somebody out there to tell you about it. It doesn't matter how many times the president of the United States insists what is, in fact, is not. His opinion, his senility, his nothing, his existence has no bearing on the reality that you face every day. Joe Biden will come out and he will tell you, Inflation, man, it's almost zero. It's all, he told you it was zero last time. It wasn't zero last time. But he told you, no, inflation is zero. It's zero because it didn't go up from month to month. Well, it went up month to month now. Okay, it was up 0.4 percent in September alone. This is from Heather Long, opinion or uh, economics writer at the Washington Post. Just in, inflation rose 8.2 percent in the past year. Uh, that down from a 40-year high of 9.1% in June, but it's still way too high. They're trying to spin it there. See, it's not as bad as it was at the peak, just like they're doing with gas prices. Gas prices are down. Gas prices are double what they were when you took office. Yeah, but they're down from their peak, right? Remember that time I really pummeled you about the head and neck for 10 minutes? Now I'm only doing it for five minutes. So, I mean, you know, it's way down. Yeah, sure, I used to not pummel you, but it doesn't matter. Times are changing. In September alone, inflation rose 0.4%, which is up from 0.1% in August. Isn't that nice? Now, Joe Biden used that 0.1% to say there's no inflation. There's no inflation. The inflation is zero is the inflation rate. It was garbage when he said it, but he doesn't care. I would say that he doesn't understand, but he's been around long enough to understand. He knew he was actively lying. He's just lying. And this is the chickens coming home to roost. Well, the president's sitting there trying to tell you last month there was no inflation whatsoever, even though you knew there was. You could see it. You don't have to be an economist to go to the gas station or the grocery store. You could see that. And he said, no, no, that's zero. That's zero. That's zero. Okay, well, now it's 0.4. You're argued 0.1 was zero when you're just going month to month didn't want to talk about year to year, but when you're going month to month, 0.1% was was zero, it was nothing. This is, by the way, uh, the cost of everything. So it's it's a small number with big impacts, big implications. But now that it's 0.4%, you can't argue that's nothing. You can't argue that's zero. 
you can't argue much of anything anymore, so they likely will find a way to just straight up lie about it. They will just straight up lie about it. Why? Because that's what they do. That's who they are. Who's going to hold them accountable? Right now, today, one of the big things that's going on is NBC News employees, NBC and MSNBC employees, are attacking that reporter yesterday who interviewed John Fetterman and said it's pretty clear that in our small talk before the the teleprompter was set up to transcribe everything I said, it's pretty clear that he didn't understand what I was talking about. They're all attacking her, going, oh, God, it's a disabilities. You're making fun of people with disabilities. No, no, she's reporting accurately on the shortcomings of somebody who'd had a stroke. Now, he may recover from the stroke. He may not recover from the stroke. But to pretend he didn't is absurd. Is it 19, 19, 19, 20 again, where Woodrow Wilson's having strokes left and right and they're conspiring to keep that from the public? Is that what it is? Is that what they're doing? Seems like it. We'll get to that later. But I'm just you know, looking at inflation numbers. I just want to remind you of this headline from August 12th, 2022, because Joe Biden has been running around. Democrats have been running around. Joe Manchin is still running around talking about how we passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation Reduction Act. We're so wonderful. We've passed the Inflation Reduction Act. That's going to make a big difference in people's lives. The second it passed... Democrats stopped pretending that it was about inflation. They started talking about all the quote-unquote investments in the uh, environment. That's what it was. It was the Green New Deal with a different name. It was a good chunk of the Green New Deal with a different name. They couldn't pass all of the Green New Deal because it had to be snuck through on reconciliation. And so they could just pass as much as they could. Well, this CBS News headline from August 12th, 2022. It's a beautiful thing. Two months ago, almost exactly. Headline. One thing the Inflation Reduction Act may not do, colon, lower inflation. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. They named it the Inflation Reduction Act, not because it was going to, not because it had anything to do with inflation, because they wanted to be able to say that Republicans were voting against the Inflation Reduction Act. So as you go to the polls this fall, remember Democrats had a plan to reduce inflation and Republicans refused to support it. It's right there in the title. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. Why would those evil Republicans oppose reducing inflation? Now we're in the aftermath of it. We're in the wake of the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you feel the inflation being reducted? No, you don't. You go to the grocery store, you're walking out going, boy, I feel like I got a bargain today. Not really. Go to the gas station and you fill it up and you say, look at that glorious low number that I'm paying for it. No. No, no, no. In fact, here are the numbers that are worse than expected. Overall consumer price index up 8.2% year over year, which we already covered. The core, core inflation is 6.6%. Core inflation is inflation on everything other than on energy and food. The government likes to create its own units of measure. And they say, well, if this one's helpful to us, we'll do They remove the things out of it that make it wildly on, on uh that matter, really. Let's just be honest. The price of food and the price of energy matter. So they, they create a whole second statistic. It's core 
the core consumer price index. That's still up 6.6%. That's a 40-year record. Congratulations, Joe. You're historic. Now, like I say, they remove food and energy. Now, why would they remove food and energy? Well, because gas prices are up year over year, 18.2%. Fuel oil, if you heat your house with fuel oil, and I know in a lot of places, especially in the Northeast, the houses are older, they use radiator heat, and those radiators use fuel oil because they didn't run gas lines everywhere. I used to... My apartment in Baltimore used fuel oil. Boy, I knew when that tank was empty because it was freezing in my apartment. Fuel oil prices are up 58.1% year over year. 58.1%. That's a lot of percent. Electricity costs up 15.5% year over year. And groceries compared to this time last year are up 13%. Now you can see why the government would want to calculate inflation without including those things. All right, let's just slice those things out. You can see. But but of course, you can see by what those are that they're kind of important and you need them. (laughs) Just sorry to break it to you, but you need electricity, you need gasoline, you need groceries. But Democrats slice that out. Now I bet you the White House will talk about the core CPI more so than the overall consumer price index because it's 6.6 compared to 8.2. Neither is good, but they'll choose the lower number to lie about. By the way, year over year, just so you know, we went to a grocery store in October of last year, actually August of uh, or September of last year, Compared to September of this year, meat, fish, and poultry are up 7.7% this year. Milk is up 15.2%. The cost of eggs are up 30.5%, 30.5%. Airline fares, if you want to go and travel and see family this holiday season, up 42.9%. That's tied directly to the cost of fuel. And real average hourly earnings are down 3%. Down 3%. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Now, Joe Biden talks about all the time, my daddy used to say, I doubt his daddy ever said anything. I can't imagine his father really ever wanting to talk to him. But my daddy used to say that the real measure is at the end of the week, do you have money left over? Do you able to have some money left over after you meet your monthly nut? Well, Minus 3%. You have 3% less money in real terms. In real terms. You're, you're not, your pay wasn't cut. But in real terms, the buying power of your money is down 3% compared to last year. So you have literally less money. Unless you got more than a 3% raise, you have taken a pay cut. Good job, Joe. Congratulations. But you do have to love. Now, the uh, scrambling will begin. They will find new way. They will make up things. They simply will. It's in large part because the media who covers economics are economically illiterate. They simply don't know. And they're also on Team Democrat. So they will be loath to really report anything or much of anything. But just so you know, the... Uh, Financial institution Morgan Stanley, used to be Morgan Stanley Dean, what are they going to change all these things? They put out a report on the economy. This won't be cited 
by the White House. They write, in summary, the slack created by the COVID recession is being absorbed much faster than usual. While some of this absorption is due to the supply disruptions created by the lockdowns, we think it was more so due to excessive fiscal stimulus provided during the pandemic, particularly the last $1.9 trillion package at the end of March 2021, just as the economy was already emerging from the lockdown. In our view, this was what turbocharged consumption and drove inflation to 40-year highs. Joe Biden's policies, led by Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin was the deciding vote on that one too, they supercharged, turbocharged, however you want to put it, the economy, which, well, inflation. They created inflation. The economy was doing just fine. It did not need stimulus. And there were Democrats going, we're going to stimulate the hell out of you anyway. They didn't actually do it to stimulate the hell out of the economy. They did it to pay off their donors and their base, which got the vast majority of that $1.9 trillion that was wildly unnecessary and incredibly irresponsible. But on the plus side, you get to pay more for gas and food and clothing and everything, including, by the way, baby formula, which is up 11.8% year over year. But that is, of course... There's a silver lining with the baby formula. You can't find it. So you're not paying 11.8% more. You can't find it. Thanks to the supply chain incompetence of the Biden administration, or should I say the Biden regime. Since I said the Biden regime, I, uh, I use that word purposefully. Because the left is now losing their mind that people are using the word words Biden regime. They really are. They're very, very upset at the prospect of using the term the Biden regime because it's the Biden administration. If you say regime, implications there are that this is a, a, a totalitarian regime. You use the word regime in reference to dictators. Not not benevolent dictators like Joe Biden. And it's kind of funny because if you think back, you just remember back. God, I wrote about this in my book. The uh, During the Bush years, the George W. Bush years, the, word, the phrase the Bush regime was a constant. All over MSM, I, I have vivid memories of Chris Matthews talking about the Bush regime. And not doing it, it just did it. it other people on the show, the, the lefties on the show, done it, it just stuck with Chris. And he, he, he did it. And they also talked about what? Taking America back, taking America back. You get to the 2012 elections and the Romney campaign and its surrogates and people on cable news and things, people who did not like the Obama regime, we're saying things like we need to take America back. We need to take our country back. Let's go and vote for the Republican, take the country back. And what happened? My God, the left went absolutely crazy. This is coded racism. They're saying this, take the country back, because the country is being controlled by the president of the United States is a black man. That's the only reason they're saying this. I remember this plain as day. 
But the problem for the left is I have a memory that goes back further than, you know, this morning. If you went back to 2006, 2005, the Huffington Post, the left-wing outlet of the, the now it's sort of irrelevant, but it was the left-wing outlet at the time. They held a conference, a national conference called the Take America Back Conference. Take America, we'll take America back from what? We'll take America back from Republicans. It's different. It's different when Democrats have control and when Republicans have control. When Democrats have control, it is hate-filled to say you want to take America back. When Republicans have control, it's a necessity to save democracy. They had the conference. And what was funny about that is the people who were sitting there on cable television and the networks on which they were saying in 2012, the idea of saying take America back is racist, is horrible. Those people and those networks, particularly looking at you, MSNBC, broadcast live one whole Saturday from the Take America Back conference. Created, it was created, I believe, I wrote about it in my book. I can't remember everything about it, but it was created by Huffington Post and the Daily Kos, I believe. I think it eventually evolved into what became Netroots Nation, which is a really radical left-wing anti-American thing. They might call it something else now, but for a while it was Netroots Nation. But it was originally called Take America Back Conference. Take America Back. And when that was deployed against them, it became problematic. Same thing with the word regime in reference to a Democrat administration. Greg Sargent, a stenographer for the Democrat Party, is one of these thin-skinned wussies on the left who, once you say anything critical or disagree with him on Twitter, he blocks you because, because he's brave. I don't know. I would say is, is that his testicles didn't descend, but he might have had them removed. Who knows? I can't keep track of what these people do anymore with their organs. He wrote a piece on the 5th of October, Why Marjorie Taylor Greene is Raging About the Biden Regime. The Biden Regime. He was very, very upset. He writes, The term regime is a mainstay of Greene's political vocabulary and right-wing authoritarian nationalists in Congress and in the media are using it more and more prominently. Now, Greg Sargent isn't billed as an... Well, he's he's supposedly a journalist, but then he occasionally writes his opinion, and you would be hard-pressed to know which one is which, which uh, means you're not much of a journalist at all. But uh, you see, it's right-wing authoritarians, which I don't know how many times I have to say this. Greg is too dumb to absorb it. But uh, you guys get it, that if you just go out to the right and the left on the line there, the left wants bigger government, right wants smaller government. So you, there's no point at which you go towards the smaller government side and then there's a huge blip where it says, but yeah, but then we want total control over everything. And then we slowly slide back towards anarchy. The idea of totalitarianism, the idea of authoritarianism is exclusively on the left, exclusively on the left. Now, are there people who are Republicans who might propose those sorts of authoritarian things? Maybe, but that doesn't make them of the right just because they're Republicans. Teddy Roosevelt was a progressive. There are plenty of progressive Republicans. John McCain was a progressive Republican. The idea in their heads, these progressives, that the power of government can be exerted 
to make people's lives better, to change behavior for the better. All of this stuff is the antithesis of individual liberty, individual responsibility. So you can say that you are a, a progressive Republican, but you are on the left, period. The ideological spectrum is not married to party. It is independent of party. You can call yourself whatever the hell you want. Would you put Mitt Romney toward the side of individual liberty or would you put Mitt Romney on the side of, well, government can do this. We should have government intervene. We should have government. Of course, he's over there, which is ironic because in 2012, they called him a racist and they called him a monster. They called him a totalitarian. They called him every. Now they think, oh, he's my favorite Republican. Anyway, Greg Sargent continues, understanding the term is essential to grasping what's happening with today's magafied right and why some experts fear we may be hurtling towards rising political violence and instability. I always get a kick out of people who sat around and pleasured themselves to a year of BLM Antifa riots, fretting the concept of political violence when they can cite one three-hour period at the United States Capitol by about mm, 100 people. That's it. Not 500-plus actual declared riots. That was mostly peaceful riots. The attempted mostly peaceful murder of police officers. That's cool. But grandma taking a selfie in the Capitol Rotunda, that's a threat to democracy, and it's an example of political violence. These people do not know political violence against them. They commit political violence, they cheer political violence, or they ignore political violence. Anyway, on the word regime, Greg Sargent then went on to talk to liberal scholars. Believe it or not, he, he managed to find liberals who agreed with him, and then he quoted them extensively. But the funny thing is, Dan McLaughlin over at National Review went through and did the research. He has the receipts. He went through and found, it's got to be 100 examples, of Democrats in writing on cable news, on social media, referring to, and he just limited it to the Trump administration, calling it the Trump regime, the Trump regime, the Trump regime. And no pushback whatsoever, no concerns whatsoever about the coarsening of our political discussions. Oh, my goodness, can you believe this is going to lead to political violence? Now, Democrats hope that this leads to political violence. They looked at what James Hodgkins did, James Hodgkinson did, not in horror, but in disappointment. You didn't get anybody, man. The only person who died in that attack was their guy. Rachel Maddow lost a viewer for nothing. The other day, somebody referred to, somebody was talking to Mandela Barnes because he's running for Senate against Ron Johnson in Minnesota. Talking to Mandela Barnes about his rhetoric because he made fun of Steve Scalise on Twitter back when Steve Scalise was nearly assassinated by one of the Democrats' fellow travelers. And the CNN, or I think it might have been a local news reporter, cheapened it they, the whole thing like, well, you you mocked the, the shooting the attempted shooting of republicans blah 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 and when back when steve scalise was shot in the hip steve scalise was shot in the hip that was the way that this reporter referred to 
the entirety of the James Hodgkinson attempted mass murder of Republicans in the name of progressive politics. Steve Scalise got shot in the hip. Well, Steve Scalise was shot in the hip. It shattered his pelvis, shattered his pelvis. He nearly died. He spent, what, three, four days in a coma. It was touch and go there for a while. It took him, what, six months to really be able to walk again. He still walks with a limp. He'll walk with a limp for the rest of his life, but he nearly died. He needed massive pelvis reconstructive surgery and prosthesis and things like that to put him back together again and some reporter and it was all because of reporters saying republican health care plans are going to kill ten thousand people a year a lie a flat-out lie and that's just been reduced to steve scalise got shot in the hip you know like ow he hit me in the butt there's a difference between nearly dying from massive internal injuries because the bullet went in, shattered the pelvis. That sent bone fragments throughout you know, the lower part of Steve Scalise's body, puncturing important things that shouldn't be punctured. But he's just shot in the hip. These people want to talk about terminology. We can talk about terminology. They're not going to like the talk because I'm going to talk about it realistically. So you go through this list that Dan McLaughlin over at National Review has put together, and it is, it's extensive. It is not Matt Iglesias over at uh, Vox, the functional BS in the Trump regime, he writes. Well, he, he, he likes to swear because uh, his parents are filthy rich, and it's the only way to make him feel like he's tough and straight. Charles Blow in the New York Times wrote in January in July of 2017 I know there are things graver uh, uh, things of graver consequence in Donald Trump's regime than his diction but no the Trump regime the Trump regime you name the outlet there's the Huffington Post there is MSNBC there is the Atlantic there is the Brookings Institution as they say the Brookings Institution is a high browed think tank oh they're above the fray no they're not the Daily Beast is in there a bunch of times. The Atlantic again. You name the National Lawyers Guild, Esquire Magazine, Gizmoto, Salon, NPR, NPR. We're paying for NPR. And they're out there spewing this horrible, horrible hatred. My God, can you believe it? The Stanford Law Review, of course, a law professor out there, the Trump regime, MSNBC, all of it, nonstop. Did the left have a problem with that? No, they didn't. Now they don't like it when it comes back to haunt them, when it comes back to hit them. But I'm sorry, what else do you call an administration that sends the FBI to kick in pro-life protesters? doors and arrest them a pastor make him face 11 years they said oh he was shoving people he was shoving then they got video released of the incident he's not shoving people he's sitting down singing religious hymns the biden regime wants to put him away for 11 years that's just the tip of the iceberg that's who these people are that's what these people do. And you sit there and you go, my God, you can't call it, a, don't call it a regime. They're arguing semantics with you. Why would they argue semantics with you? They argue semantics with you because the alternative would be to have to try and refute what you're saying. The alternative would be to try and dispute 
what you're saying, to try and come against you. That, that's not what's happening. Yes, it is. Plain as day, that's what's happening. No, no, you're using the wrong word. See, they argue semantics. So they don't have to argue issues. So they don't have to argue truth. They don't have to go into the facts of the things because those are not on their side. Those don't help them. Facts. Facts are problematic to the left, which kind of tells you a lot about what you need to know about these people. Does it not? I think it does. Since we've been talking about Democrats and their semantical arguments and their uh, hypocrisy, you got to admire them and their consistency. At least they're consistent in that. The January 6th committee, the Politico reports. Now, this is this is a press release. This isn't a news story, but it's a, you know this is what passes for it now. Probably what awards. Headline, the January 6th committee readies its grand finale. Have you missed it? It's been a while since they've had a hearing. They recognize that most people don't give a damn what they've said. And so they're scrambling because the election is coming up. And it's not looking as good as they want it to look for Democrats. So they've got, we've got to scramble together and they're quickly cobbling together one more hearing before, before the midterm elections. Because they're afraid, they, look, they don't want to appear partisan. So they've got to make sure that it is uh, held <laughs> not on the day before election, but I think it's October 25th. They're reading their grand finale. The cards on the table. The January 6th committee will return with possibly its last public hearing Thursday in a closing argument to conclude the panel's blockbuster summer series. Block, quick, name anything from any of these hearings. Oh, if you said anything other than that chick who said that Donald Trump tried to dive through the opening in the uh, the presidential limo to choke out a Secret Service agent because he wouldn't take him to the, the riot, uh, you you win. I don't believe you, but you win. That's the only thing that is any... That, that girl going, yeah, no, I heard that. And he threw a plate of spaghetti at the, the wall that I had to clean up. Like, really? Really, the... Uh, the personal assistant to the chief of staff had to do housekeeping. Why was was literal housekeeping off that day? Like that seems a little weird since there are people whose job it is to do that. That you'd be doing that, but okay. Good luck in the future, honey. I don't think any the the right isn't going to hire you because they're never going to trust you. You're trying to tell everybody Donald Trump tried to dive through a a, a small opening in the presidential limo to grab the steering wheel to go to the Capitol? You expect us to believe that. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, the right's never going to hire you. And the left, you've already outlived your usefulness on the left. Uh, You might get a book deal, but that's it. Can you write a book? Can you read a book? Uh, After a postponement due to Hurricane Ian. Yeah, as a postponement. That's why. That's why it was not held before The committee will now convene less than a month from Election Day when voters will make their own judgment on the weight of the evidence presented. A lot has happened in Trump world since the last time Americans saw the committee lay out the facts about the violent capital attack and former president's role in the scheme to hold on to power. Oh, yeah, a lot has happened since Americans. Americans weren't watching beforehand, 
Okay, the test pattern network gets higher ratings. The Justice Department is now investigating Donald Trump's handling of classified documents after leaving office. The New York Attorney General has sued him. Yeah, a civil suit because she couldn't get anything criminal. It's kind of an important fact, kind of. Well, they they go through and they interview another political. This is the Politico story. They interview another Politico reporter. That's their story. That's how they work it out. They're so desperate to try and make this January 6th thing a thing. You know, hey, yeah, it costs you 60 bucks to fill up your gas tank and twice as much as it did last year to, to feed your family and you know, half again as much to heat your home this coming winter. But did you know that uh, there were mean tweets sent out by Donald Trump and that some people did some bad stuff for a couple of hours? And that was a threat to democracy, not the people trying to murder police for 100 straight days. No, not them. Not the people who did more than $2 billion worth of damage to American cities, particularly black neighborhoods, where they'll never recover. They're never going to recover. Uh, and they're Demo- they'll still vote Democrat, though. But they're never going to recover. Not, no, not talking about that. We're talking about that time that that 80-year-old was inside the Capitol Rotunda and took took a, a picture of herself after asking a Capitol Police officer how to get to the Rotunda and being told, you go down there and then you turn left and there you go. It's right there. They're desperate to make this thing matter. So then they're realizing there's another story in Politico today that um, it has to be disappointing for these people. It just has to be. To see that their life's work, their focus for the past year, two years, has amounted to nothing. It really has. Oh, sure, they get mentioned on you know Morning Joe every once in a while. But in the grand scheme of things, it has amounted to nothing. Politico, today. Why January 6th is mostly absent from the midterms. Huh? Yeah. GOP lawmakers who back Donald Trump-driven election challenges that metastasized into violence on January 6, 2021, aren't taking much campaign trail heat for it. Yeah, because um, while you're still busy clutching your pearls to the point that your hand has fused to your necklace, most Americans saw it for what it was and moved on. Democrats don't lack for material to slam Republicans as election-denying riot boosters. This is a news story, by the way. And in fact, may uh, many of them deploy that attack while in Washington. A majority of House Republicans voted to oppose certifying the 2020 election results as sentiment backed by many of the candidates, too. But given that most GOP objectors occupy comfortable red seats, Democrats are limited on where they can use those certification votes as a successful issue this fall. Well, if certification votes were super duper sexy and really important election issues about which the American people desperately care, then the greasy haired uh, loser... Jamie Raskin, Maryland's own, would never have been reelected because his very first act as a member of Congress was to try to decertify the 2016 election. Yes, that's right. He squirted the activator on his hair and ran down to the floor and objected. 
He has been objecting ever since. He has been a 2016 election denier, ever since a threat to our democracy, if we're to believe people like uh, Jamie Raskin. He's not asked about it. He's too busy. My God, he's just one of the worst human beings on the face of the earth. Every day I get up and thank God I'm not related to him. Thank God I'm not living in his, we used to rent a house in his district. Couldn't imagine his poor family having to put up with that guy. Wakes up screaming like in the middle of the night with night terrors. Donald Trump, Donald Trump. Wow, yeah, I need help with the homework, Dad. No, Donald Trump, I must go and do that. And then to be one of the impeachment managers, complaining, claiming, arguing that what you did, what the first thing you did while in office is now such an egregious offense that the president of the United States needs to be removed from office. Well, you did it. No, it was different then. Why was it different then? Well, I'm a Democrat. Oh, all right. That makes sense. So many Democrats did the exact same thing. And none of them face consequences for it. Not a single one. Hillary Clinton to this day will tell you that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president. Stacey Abrams, who hopefully will have her ample rear end handed to her in the Georgia governor's race, is still running around saying she really won. Oh, she, I didn't win. I would have won had so many voters not been suppressed. Really? How do you figure that? Well, there were 50,000 people, mostly black. She doesn't know that for sure, but mostly black because it sounds good and nobody's going to challenge her. Who are disenfranchised, booted from the rolls? Where where are they? Com- where were they complaining? Where is this complaint that they were disenfranchised? Did they actually try to vote? Because it's dead people who were purchased. No, no, these were mostly black people. Okay, 50,000. You lost by 55,000 votes. So even if everybody you claim was alive and wanted to vote, and did vote for you, you'd still lose by 5,000 votes, Stacey. Do you, do you see that? See, I understand that in your world you think black people are automatons who just vote lockstep with the Democrat Party, that everybody is, but uh, that's not really the way it is in the real life. So there's no way in God's green earth, even if you did get 100% of the 50,000 people who are disenfranchised votes, that you could have won. You lost then. Nope. Election denial, it's fashionable. It's a key to fame and fortune, actually. Stacey Abrams, in the last four years, became a multimillionaire. It's very lucrative for the careers of these leftists to be wildly hypocritical. Jamie Raskin wrote a book. He got a book deal. He sold a bunch of guys. Morning Joe did all they could to push that book. That put money directly in Jamie Raskin's pocket. The little pat on the head, good dog. Got to wash your hand afterwards because you got to get the hairspray off of it. But good dog, good dog, will help you make money. The entire left-wing ecosphere is one giant money laundering scheme. And they're all whining. Why is it Republicans aren't facing any consequences for, you know, saying, hey, it's really weird that uh, a guy who never left his house got more votes than anybody ever. It's really a little bit might be worth looking into that more people voted than were registered to vote in some places. Really kind of odd that Democrats kicked out Republican election watchers at times when suddenly massive swings in the voting numbers occurred. You know, 
look, they're not going to be able to overturn the election results. That never really was a thing, but it should be looked into because you don't want it to happen again. Democrats certainly don't want it to happen to them, but it won't because Republicans play fair. So they're sitting there fretting over at the news offices of Politico going, my goodness, what about the, uh, why come these Republicans aren't facing any consequences for all of our due diligence, all of our reporting? It's kind of funny because these Democrats, these reporters, are recognizing that their work has amounted to nothing. The American people have looked at that. They heard it and they, they yawned, collectively yawned. They've collectively yawned. Who cares is the mantra. Who cares? Because we know you're lying. To, we watched. We saw that girl, oh, Donald Trump is dying. Yeah, Donald Trump is not agile enough to dive through the window and uh, fight Secret Service agents. He's just not. He's just not. I'm not saying he's in bad health, but he's not strong enough to take on a Secret Service agent. And he's not crazy enough to do that either. And by the way, the Secret Service said it didn't happen. But still... They're out there running around telling this lie, elevating people as heroes. Oh, my goodness, these people are wonderful heroes. They risked their lives. That idiot cop with the neck tattoos who's now a CNN contributor. Oh, he's a, it was the worst day of my life. Wow, you've led a pretty charmed life if three hours was the worst day of your life. You never lost anybody you cared about? You never, nothing? Nothing worse than this? That's a charmed life you live there, uh, former officer Fanone. You're so dedicated to the cause of justice, you quit to get a book deal and a CNN contract. Just wait until they're done with you. Yeah, neck tattoo removal ain't cheap. Good luck getting a future job. I want to play you this clip of the President of the United States. We're talking about Democrats and their not inability to tell the truth. Their unwillingness to tell the truth. The the thing about the truth is it's much easier to remember than all the BS. If you tell somebody a lie, but say you you and a friend went through something. And you have mutual friends with this friend, but you have friends that also are exclusive to you. You tell the friends who are exclusive to you. Oh, my God. uh, somebody, Somebody said, hey, you guys get out of here. Uh, in reality, but in your story retelling, the guy had a baseball bat over. He was ready to beat the hell out of us like Negan from uh, The Walking Dead. He was ready to murder us all, and we had to run out of there. We barely got out with our lives. You sound really super cool when you're a teenager because your teenagers are dumb. You sound really cool to your friends when you're a, a teenager. And then you you go to some of your mutual friends with your friend who went through. You don't have to worry probably about the friends that are just exclusive to you coming across your friend and putting two and two together and figuring out you're full of crap. So you can make the, the thing sound like, wow, what a what a hero and so scary. Then you get the mutual friends. And you go, well, the story, what did you do? What happened to you guys last night? Oh, some guy yelled at us to get the hell out of there and we got out of there. Uh, now the guy, uh, the guy threatened us. He threatened us. He said, "I'll kick your ass." I'll come over. You guys need to get out of my. He was yelling. And he started coming towards us, and we we left. We didn't know this guy's crazy. He could have a gun. 
Now, you embellished the story a little bit, but that's closer. As long as your mutual friends don't then come across your friend that was with you and said, hey, man, you, uh, you almost died last night. What? No, no. Then you're probably safe. But the more people you tell various forms of lies, the tougher it becomes for you to remember which person you told what lie to. So that, you know, six months down the road, somebody says, yeah, near-death experience. And you go, uh, Johnny, you had a near-death experience. And you go, oh, sure, yeah, I'll tell you about it. A guy uh, came out and was uh, waving a baseball bat at us and threatened to kill us. No, you, you thought that the guy had uh, a gun. I thought the guy had a knife. You can't remember who you lied to. That's why it's so much easier just to tell the truth as inconvenient as it can be sometimes. I know everybody wants to be the hero in their own story, but you're not. Most people, most days, don't do extraordinary things. They just don't. It's a simple fact. I hate to break it to you, but the odds of you saving the world are slim to none. Even the people we've seen do it time and again in movies never actually really did it. So just get used to the idea. That brings us to our president, who is desperate to matter, who is desperate to be liked. Who is, he's got nothing else going for him. And he is uh, clamoring around trying to... You know, inf I, I marched in the civil rights movement. No, you didn't. We know for a fact you didn't. I was arrested trying to see Nelson Mandela. No, you weren't. You were not. Well, I was a truck driver. No, you were not a truck driver. You were nothing. Okay? You're, huh, my uh, first wife and my daughter died in a drunk driver. No, you didn't. Drunk, no drunk driver at all. It's a horrible car accident. It's not even clear who was responsible for the accident, what happened. So just spare me the lies, okay? It's sad enough that your wife and daughter died. That's horrible. It's awful. You will get sympathy for that. But if you, you want more sympathy, you need more sympathy, you lie about it. The tr There's something fundamentally wrong with a person who will lie when the truth will do. Isn't there? If the truth will do and somebody actively chooses to lie, there's something really wrong with them. That is not somebody you should trust under any circumstances. He's the president of the United States now. Bo Biden was the child that Joe Biden loved. Bo Biden was the child that Joe Biden wanted to be his heir. He was the oldest child. His name was Joseph Robinette Biden III. The current president is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., this was, Bo was the way to carry on Joe's legacy and carry on Joe's grift for the family. You know, if, if Bo becomes the United States Senator from Delaware, then that means that the family scam can keep on rolling. You know, because he said uh, when talking about Hunter, oh, Hunter, he's uh, the smartest guy I know. He had a serious substance abuse problem. Yeah, for years he was smoking crack and banging hookers. And weirdly, during that same stretch of time, major corporations around the world, foreign governments and what have you, were throwing money at him hand over fist. 
and putting him on their boards, hiring for consultants, hiring him as a lawyer. He had no expert. He has a law degree, but would you trust a crack smoking guy to go into court for you? I don't think he went into court for any of these things, clients, but there was a lawyer there. Don't worry. Why would they do that? Unless they were trying to buy influence. Well, they'd still try and buy influence with Bo as a senator, and then Joe would have taken care of his family after his passing. But tragedy struck yet again. Bo Biden died of a brain tumor, brain cancer, back in 2015. A horrible experience, no doubt, no question. He died in Delaware, I believe. Or no, I'm sorry, he died at Walter Reed in Bethesda, Maryland. Not in Iraq. Why would I be saying not in Iraq? What are you talking about? Well, Bo served in Iraq. He was in the Delaware Army National Guard, where I believe he was a JAG. He was not out on patrol. From 2008 to 2009, I think he spent six months in country, which to me seems like a short period of time, considering most deployments are for a year. But he's the son of a senator, needed to check the box for future political runs, to be able to say I served would be a lot better, especially when your father decidedly didn't serve. He ran around saying, oh, I have I had asthma. I couldn't, couldn't go to Vietnam. I had asthma. But it was a college football player, a high school football star with asthma. That's a, it's a pretty neat trick. Did you, would you have a puffer built into the helmet there? How did you manage to have such severe asthma as to keep you out of the military but be a football star? I don't know. It's one of the mysteries for the ages. Anyway, Joe Biden, since Bo Biden's death, has been lying about Bo Biden's death. Again, when the truth would do and somebody lies... It tells you something about them. There's something wrong with them. If you just want to say you lost your son, that's a tragedy. People would agree that's a horrible thing and they would have sympathy for you. But Joe Biden needs stolen valor by proxy. Now, Joe Biden's messed up by the death of his son, Bo, because again, he was the only one of his children that he actually liked. He put all his future into it. You know, it was like a different version of the Kennedys. Joe Sr. wanted Joe Jr. to be president of the United States. Joe Jr., in trying to keep up with JFK after the PT-109 fiasco, realistically, uh, JFK probably should have been drummed out of the military for the PT-109 disaster where he incompetently fell asleep with his crew and his PT boat was cut in half by a Japanese destroyer, not with fire but they ran it over nobody saw it coming nobody moved nothing they were that far out of it that far gone it was that much level of incompetence that he should have been should have been uh, drummed out of the military instead he was rewarded as a hero i'm sure his father pulled all sorts of strings for him now he did heroic things afterwards he swam an awful lot he dragged people who were injured on his crew from island to island keeping them away from the japanese until they were rescued by americans after the accident, he was a hero. But it was his incompetence that caused the accident. Make no mistake about it. But as soon as that happened, then Joe Jr. over in England 
decided he had to up his game. If he can't be shown up by his little brother, and he uh, volunteered to run what it was essentially a suicide mission, loading up his bomber with more explosives than it really almost could carry to fly solo over there and bomb some installations in Germany where they were launching U-2 rockets at, at the UK. Off the coast of France, he was hit. His plane exploded a massive explosion because of all the explosives they had on board, and he died instantly. From that moment on, every bit of hope that uh, Joe Sr. had invested in Joe Jr. went to JFK. He was the next in line. He was going to be president of the United States. He didn't want to be president of the United States. He hadn't been groomed to be president of the United States. Joe Sr. loved Joe Jr. best of all. It messed up JFK in a lot of ways. Joe Biden did the same sort of thing when Bo died. All right, now Hunter's going to be the legacy. Or you've got to really double down on the money you're making, Hunter, because time is limited. You're not going to have your brother in the Senate. And that put a lot of pressure on Hunter. That helped shove him towards the crack pipe. That's beside the point. Yesterday, out in Colorado, or out in Arizona, Joe Biden talked about his son, Bo, again. It's, oh, sorry, this is in Colorado. He lied. He lied. He has implied in the past that Bo Biden died in Iraq, died in Iraq, died in Iraq. He implied it. He never said he's an Iraq veteran. He died serving this country, blah, blah. He said it, but he never said he died in Iraq. Yesterday, he said that his son Bo died in Iraq. This is a lie. This is stolen valor by proxy. It's this. It's really kind of sick. Just imagine. I mean it sincerely. I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice. Genuine sacrifice they all made. He lost his life in Iraq. No, he didn't. Again just to point this out. Newsweek, Newsweek of all places, is even calling him out on this. Said, because the video of him making that claim has been viewed more than 600,000 times. Whether or not it's people pointing out that he's lying or people who believe it, I don't know. Said, Bo Biden, the president's eldest son, did serve in Iraq with the Delaware Army National Guard from 2008 to 2009, where he was awarded the Bronze Star for his service. Following his death in 2015, huh, 2009-2015, that's a hell of a wound. Bo Biden was posthumously given the Delaware Conspicuous Service Cross, presented for heroism, meritorious service, and outstanding achievement. That's a pretty wide berth. Delaware gave him that award long after he died because of who his dad was. However, Bo Biden died of brain cancer on May 30th, 2015 at Walter Reed, Military, or Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Bethesda rather than Iraq. The then vice president's son, who also served as Delaware Attorney General, was 46 when he died. Joe Biden has implied that his son got brain cancer because of burn pits over there. Again, there's no real evidence connecting those two things. 
remember Bo was over there as a, a part of, he was a lawyer in the army, not a grunt working on those things. But he's, it doesn't matter. He's lying. His son did not die in Iraq. His son is dead. It's sad. But his son did not die in Iraq. There's something fundamentally wrong with somebody who lies when the truth will do. And there's something even more wrong with a person who lies when the truth is so readily available to everybody. He dishonors his son's life and his son's service by lying about it. He has to know that. Part of him has to know that. And he does it anyway because he's into the immediate gratification business. It's gross. It's just gross. I saw this story the other day and I thought, yeah, this sounds about right. This sounds about right. The state is going to elect Westmore governor and uh, the city is going to hell. And the other day on Twitter, Westmore is like, I will partner with the city and make sure they have the funding. They need. They're just going to throw more money at the city when the real, the real problem is the corruption. The non, it's it's the the system is corrupt. The people are there's no accountability. There's nothing. And what am I talking about? Well, this story from Fox Forty Five there in Baltimore. A shocking discovery out of a Baltimore City high school, where Project Baltimore has found hundreds of students are failing. That's not really shocking news. It's a school where students who passed the class passed classes in four years rank near the top past three classes in four years past three three classes in four three classes in four years in high school so you have what four or five classes per year per semester really and uh two semesters a year that's a lot of classes past three classes in four years ranks near the top half of his class with a 0.13 grade point average Tiffany France thought her son would receive his diploma this coming June, but after four years of high school, France just learned that her seven-year-old must start over. Over! Not he's going to have to do an extra summer school. He has to start over. He's been moved back to ninth grade. To ninth grade. Quote, he's stressed and I am too. I told him I'm probably going to start crying. I don't know what to do for him, France told Project Baltimore. Why would he do three more years in school? He didn't fail. The school failed him. Amen. The school failed at their job. They failed. That's the problem. They failed. They failed. He didn't deserve that. They didn't teach him. They pushed him along. They passed him along. And his parent now... Mom probably should have paid a little bit more attention. If a kid is not learning anything, you should notice whether or not the kid can read, whether or not the kid's learning anything. Francis' son attends Augusta Fells Savage Institute for Visual Arts in West Baltimore. His transcripts show he's passed just three classes in four years, earning 2.5 credits, placing him in ninth grade. Again, Mom... I feel your pain. The school absolutely sucks. But where have you been? Where have you? You don't just send a kid off to school in ninth grade. I'll see you at your graduation in four years. Don't tell me anything that's going on at all. 
But France says she didn't know that until February. She has three children and works three jobs. It doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> that doesn't matter. She thought her oldest son was doing well because even though he failed most of his classes, he was being promoted. Okay, fine. Yeah, he's being promoted, but he's failing most of his classes. Shouldn't at some point you maybe call up one of your three bosses and say, uh, I'm going to need to take a day here because I've got to go to my child's school and find out that why, even though he's failing miserably, he's getting promoted. That would that, be the concern. Not like, well, you're failing, but at least you're passing. At least you're advancing. So you can keep, if you can fail your way to the end, is that really responsible parent? They're both to blame here. They're both to blame here. And again, you look at the city and you go, well, you know, you keep electing the same people. You keep electing the people who created this situation. You keep electing the people who perpetuate this situation. And when those people retire, die, or go to prison, instead of trying a new direction, because I admit it's hard to replace an incumbent, but when those people go and you have a chance to go in a new direction, when you're forced to actually go in a new direction because somebody died or quit or went to jail, all three equal possibilities in the city of Baltimore, you still then go, but I'm going to go, I'm going to replace that person with the the same mentality that caused this problem in the first place. It's hard to feel sorry. It's hard to feel sorry for the kid. The kid's 17 years old. He's not going to go back to ninth grade. He isn't going to spend three more years in high school. So he's going to drop out, maybe get a GED. But if you failed all your classes and you pass a GED, which frankly isn't going to be the hardest thing in the world to do, you will still not have the knowledge, even though, well, GED is supposed to test it. Yeah, it, we all know it doesn't. We all know it doesn't. So what's the kid going to do? The kid's screwed. Because mom said, oh, I was too busy working three jobs and I have three kids. Okay. You're busy. You make time. Whatever your priority is, I guarantee you, you can make time for it. It doesn't matter how busy you are with it. Whatever your actual honest-to-God priority is, you will be able to make time for it. You will make time for it. Period. End of story. You won't let anything stand in your way except for maybe a trip to the hospital or something. And that's it. <sighs> His transcripts show he failed Spanish 1 and Algebra 1, but was promoted to Spanish 2 and Algebra 2. He also failed English 2, but was passed on to English 3. Who are these people? The mother needs to ask this, but the mother also needs to ask what the hell's going on with the school. There needs to be a thorough investigation and probably some lawsuits going on here. On behalf of this kid, by the way, not on behalf of the mom. Any financial settlement sent this kid, and, and if he's in the top half of his class with a .13, then there will, it'll be a class action suit against this school and the school system. They need to receive compensation for, you know, not millions of dollars, but there needs to be some compensation here for the lie that was perpetrated on them, probably in the name of progressivism and just keep pushing kids along. The social promotion needs to be exposed. People need to be held accountable. 
course, you have the possibility, the prospect, the opportunity to hold the people responsible, accountable every election year, and you keep electing the same people. You have to sit there and go, there's a limit to it. There's a limit to how sorry I can feel for anybody in this situation when you recognize that they keep doing it to themselves, you keep electing the same people or different bodies with the same mentality. As we dig deeper into his son's records, we can see in his first three years at Augusta Fells, he failed 22 classes and was late or absent 272 days. But in those three years, only one teacher requested a parent conference, which France says never happened. No one from school told France her son was failing and not going to class. Again, they're both to blame. They're all to blame. Like the kid's going to be kids. Kids are going to be stupid. And kids will be stupid as far as you let them get away with being stupid. But the parent is supposed to pay attention. The parent is supposed to monitor the kids. The schools are supposed to monitor the kids as well and reach out to the parents. At some point, somebody should have reached out to the mother, and apparently they did. That didn't happen. They didn't get together. They didn't meet. Okay, why? Why? That's not in the school district. The school district teacher reaches out and says, we need to meet, and you don't meet. That's not the school's fault. All right? Now, they should have called a bunch of times, 272 days, when over the course of, what was it, uh, three years, when a school year is, what, 180 days? Somebody should have noticed, first and foremost, the mom. The real question, where the hell has this kid been for 272 of those days? Because I don't think that kid is was industrious enough to get up for school every morning to fool his mom and pack up and go, I'm going to school, Ma. I'll see you tonight. And then go out somewhere and occupy all day. I'm betting that you sleep in on those days. At some point, the mom has to notice these things. Look, kids... As a kid who got away with a lot because I was very good at covering my tracks and making sure that I wasn't caught and whatever, I was able to always think through all the different possibilities and plan for them and whatever. There were plenty of times when, right after high school, where it was like, you need to get a job. Because, I, like I said, I had a lot of jobs. You get a job or you get out of the house. That was it. You're 20 years old. You're a loser. You're sleeping till noon because you're out drinking till three. You need to get a job or get out of the house you have two weeks to find a job or you got to get out of the house well those two weeks my dad or mom would open my bedroom door and say all right get up get out at seven o'clock in the morning get up go find a job Ugh, you drag yourself out of bed and i would literally then go to a friend's house and fall asleep on their couch and in the last like three days i'd start looking for a job because the jobs i was going for was you fill out the application you either get the job on the spot or you don't get the job on the spot it's not i'm submitting my resume for cons- no it's, it, uh, that was not what i was going for you know i could always i always found a job my parents didn't know that i was going to a friend's house and falling asleep but i also wasn't a sophomore in high school Quote, I feel like they never gave my son an opportunity. Like if there was an issue with him not advancing or not progressing, that they should have contacted me first three years ago. Yes, they should have. I understand 
the mother's outrage. The mother's outrage is, in a lot of respects, justified. But then she's also responsible for a lot of it, too. In his four years at Augusta Fells, Francis' son earned a GPA of 0.13. Now, if you're sitting there and you watch, he's, well, they keep pushing him along to new classes. If you recognize that he's failed every single damn class he's been in, his grade point average is a rounding error, you might think at some point, hey, maybe he's not going to graduate. Maybe he's not. I should probably look into this. But no, there's none of that in this case. Both are responsible. Both acted irresponsibly as though neither were responsible at all. He passed only three classes, but his transcripts show a class rank of 62 out of 120. That means nearly half of his classmates, 58 of them, have a 0.13 grade point average or lower. Can you imagine that? Half of them, 58 other kids have worse. Quote, he's a good kid. He didn't deserve that. Where's the mentors? Where's the help for him? I hate that this is happening to my child, said an emotional France. Well, where were you? Where were you? I, oh, you work all the time. You work all the, I get it. We've all worked all the time at various points in our lives. But when things needed to get done, you did them. When things needed to get done, you did them. I suspect that this mother is not a hermit, that this mother does not sit at home every weekend or just work constantly and all she does is work and sleep. I bet she has friends. At some point, you got to go, you know what, this weekend I'm, I can't go and see the movie. I can't go out. I have to make sure that my kid is this way or the other way or whatever. Or you say, I need a day off work so I can go find out what the hell's going on with my kid at school. I couldn't get a day off. Well, then you need to really consider a lawsuit against a lot of people. If you are somehow forced to work against your will and given no days off whatsoever, because that doesn't happen in real life. Project Baltimore asked the city school administrator who works inside North Avenue, but asked not to be identified for fear of retaliation. Yeah, for fear of retaliation. Oh, no, if I mention the word responsibility, all sorts of bells and whistles go off and who knows what? I'll have somebody to flip over my car and set it on fire. The administrator said the school system absolutely failed Francis' son. Yeah, this is one of those no feces Sherlock moments. Everybody failed this kid. Everybody involved failed this kid. One person has the moral obligation to not fail their kid and failed their kid. And the other people have a whole lot of our tax dollars expressly for the purpose of not failing this kid. And each of them failed this kid in their own ways. And they just happened to complement each other completely. And they all seem to be outraged at each other. Neither one seems to be outraged for the kid. The kid's the one who got screwed here. Don't ever lose sight of that, both by mom and the schools. All right, and on that charming note, that's enough. That is enough. I'm sure I'll have more uh, things to say on the Week in Evan Review tonight at midnight at patreon.com slash Podcast and at derekhunter.locals.com, whichever you prefer. Or if you just want to sample it, you can email me, derekallenhunter at gmail.com. I'll send you a version of it. It's, it's a whole thing, but it's a lower bit rate because it's the only way to send it through email as an attachment. You won't even notice the difference. Anyway, appreciate it. 
the week. What an effing week it's been. We're going to review the F out of it at midnight. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.